Welcome to the trail end of the Trilogy of Terror with V'ger Please, A Hateful Voyage Through the Delta Quadrant. My name is Joseph. I'm your co-host, Peter. Well, Peter, uh, it's been it's been a long road to get from here to there. The the I, the trilogy? Uh, you know, it just dawned on me that me referencing the Enterprise theme song doesn't mean anything to you because you've never watched a single second of it. So there's somebody out there, probably a listener like uh, like Darius, who who heard that and was triggered. But you were blissfully unaware. So, yeah, ignorance is bliss. I'm playing it safe over here. S- speaking of musicians that would be triggered by the awfulness of Enterprise's uh, theme song, I wanted to give some shout outs and plugs at the beginning of our episode this time, because we've gotten a lot of new listeners as as we we tend to each week. A lot by our standards, you know, a dozen, uh, <laughs> you know, a, a wet fart to people who have have like real podcasts and aren't about 23 year old television shows. But uh, we appreciate every single one of you have come along and you may be wondering, it, was that a crappy recorder version of Voyager's theme song I heard as this podcast began? And indeed it was. Not as crappy as it should be, because once upon a time, I made the commitment that I was going to learn how to play the Voyager theme song and do so poorly. But before yes, I had a you chance, did. <laughs> let me tell you what, that recorder, it got purchased. I played around with it a few times, and then the baby found it, turned my life into hell, and then I have hidden it to a degree that I can no longer find it myself. <laughs> the important part of that, though, is the baby is not blowing it on it anymore. So That's very important. Musical... Uh- instruments and children rarely uh do not mix for, no. no but it it was created uh by our request i guess you'd say uh, uh challenge by our, challenge uh by our generous listeners ian and sarah our best listeners ian and sarah so thank you to them uh for for doing that uh, we also have a great online discussion group on facebook it's the vidra please trauma support group and everyone within the sound of my voice is very welcome to join uh we keep it technically private just so that you know your your uh privacy can be respected about the fact that you like star trek voyager podcast we're not trying we, we to know. out anybody we're not trying to add anybody so you can all you have to do is request to join we'll gladly add you and uh we got some spicy memes some original artwork uh and a lot of fun discussion about not just voyager star trek in general and, and sometimes even uh you know starship troopers <laughs> which oh, is the case more starship week. troopers i'll tell you that right now uh, so feel free to join the Vidra Please Drama Support Group on Facebook. And uh, thank you to everybody that shares the podcast, uh, comments, leaves, reviews on any place a review can be left. Uh, all of this matters. I saw some people linked to it on a Discord because I get the stats about when that sort of thing happens. So if you're listening to me now and you're like randomly shared this podcast with some people on some Discord you're on. Thank you. It worked. And we also want to give a shout out to the other people in podcast world who have done us a solid. Uh, if you like Star Trek, there's a chance you might like D&D. And if that's the case, then you should check out Hail and Well Met. Yes, Hail and Well Met is a uh, kind of actual play D&D podcast, but they have all these, you know, that crazy production values of doing, uh, trying to do like in-character Hello. voices and some great sound effects to make it sound like an episode of Radio Lab, and they're Australian, so they have those accents that to, to people like you and me from you know Ohio sound downright uh, adorable. So they were actually 
nominated for an Australian podcast award. I didn't see if they had actually won or not. Hopefully they did. Uh, but go check them out. Hail and well met. Joe, I promised I wasn't going to do it, <laughs> but, and I don't want to sidetrack us too much. You did catch the actual Picard trailer that dropped the the teaser today, right? Of course I did. <laughs> Without us going down 10 minute trail of it. Thoughts? They're doing exactly what I kind of hoped they would do, which is starting him at the vineyard. They're clearly teasing that he led some kind of rescue effort to help the Romulans out after their son went supernova. And then something bad happened. That's about what I thought was going to happen. I'm ready to see it. Do you I mean, think that's, that's, that's what it. they were referencing and that, that the rescue mission and everything else they weren't? Because they said something into darkness. You don't think they're talking about Nemesis or anything like that, right? No, I, I think something happened as a consequence of what he was doing. And he was disgusted by it and quit. That's that's what I think is going to be the case. Speaking of consequences of doing things. <laughs> Go on. Season three, episode 20. Favorite son. This is going to be the last entry into the so-called trilogy of terror. Uh, I will say the first two entries into that, which were our Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde episode, Darkling. And of course, Rise. Uh, the most where, Ill- interesting elevator ride in Voyager history. Yeah, I would say perhaps all of Star Trek history, but I'm going to go ahead and give that prestigious award to Disaster and John Luke Picard's trek through the turbo lift with some kids. I was about to say the same thing. Yeah, but yeah, this one, uh, who, uh, this one I knew was probably worthy of the title of a part of the t- trilogy of Ch- Terror. And uh, it did not disappoint upon rewatch. This is um, hot, 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 hot dog shit. Um, bit of a warning. Humor might be a little blue, given the subject matter from this point forward. So strap yourself in. Strap yourself in for this joke. I liked it. Fuck you. What is your what? 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 I liked at least what? a solid... 50% of this episode. Now I'll, I'll draw some clear up. lines in the sand, but I liked it on two fronts. I liked the, the load up on the story on this one. And I absolutely adored it from this podcast standpoint, because I was writing feverishly in my little notebook, the entire thing. This was a cornucopia of podcast conversations just waiting to happen. And boy, oh okay. boy. Okay. Okay. You had me there for a second, man. Like, I agree with you. This was highly enjoyable from a podcast perspective, but qualitatively speaking, come on. Mm. It's for real bad. Mm, No. And again, I'm going to say a for real bad episode for me is something where I come out boring and feeling like I just wasted my life. Like this wasn't great sci-fi, but it kept me entertained and engaged. And I think even without the podcast, like it doesn't, do the cardinal sins and awful things that Voyager, so many Voyagers fall in the trap. Of. But we'll we'll get into it. It does have one primary sin, and that's writ- the fact that it was written, written by Lisa Klink. Lisa Klink's put out some pretty decent ones. Though. I want to say uh, the last one was Lisa Klink, too, wasn't it? The last time Lisa Klink wrote an episode was actually Blood Fever. And before that was Warlord. So you tell me amongst those three. What does Lisa Klink tend to write into her episodes? Sexy time. 
this girl likes to have some fucking <laughs> like excuse me i have least... to google what lisa clink looks like you mean that <laughs> <laughs> like i you know uh also uh she did remember which was another episode that had a lot of a lot of sexy time in it i mean resistance which had like the the famous janeway ho train sequence lisa clink she's got a thing where there's just if if she wrote it it's gonna have a sexual element this is probably the most blatant uh of them all um this this starts with harry kim at his station as Voyager is traveling through the Delta Quadrant as it does him wondering if maybe they've passed this fucking roadside, you know, bar and the Delta Quadrant before once or, or not having a paradoxical state dependent associative phenomenon because Tuvok can't just say deja vu when they, uh, they run into a, what I definitely recall was a, Romulan scout ship. Absolutely. And they just bash you right over the head with it. Right off the bat, I'm digging this episode. The space, we've detailed it to great lengths, all of the different things that even the slightest funny feeling can be in Voyager and how often those things develop into full-blown crisis. So them kind of ribbing him about deja vu on the front end. Later on in the episode, they talk about, you know, is this uh, what space time anomalies, alien telepathy, alternate realities, all these things go, go in character, go full immersion in the world of Starfleet in the Federation. Well, Starfleet specifically spacefaring, like the level of paranoia that has to be there, man, did I do this again? Could captain Frazier be waiting around the corner and I've been caught in this temporal loop for the last 50 years. Scary stuff to think about. But that's yeah. scary, though, because they've got I mean, obviously, the the antidepressants are are keeping them in check. I agree. Like later on, when Kim starts to talk about, like, what could possibly be causing this? All of these things and everyone and, and Janeway kind of like nods her head sagely and is like, yes, all of that could be possible. Yeah, <laughs> we must investigate like that's or, or is it just a moops or a, a simple deja vu? Are we dealing with a temporal catastrophe? Uh, or you're just being forgetful. Who knows? Well, will all of space time shart into non-existence, mm-hmm. or am, am I am I just coming down with a t- touch of the space yips? Yeah, but like you said, some aliens show up. They hail the ship, and yeah, we've got a repainted Romulan scout ship that is just loud and proud. Hey, I used to be Romulan. Now I am what I'm going to call the Yernal Puck people, and. <laughs> Girls out there in the audience, I don't expect you to be familiar with this. Urinal puck is a little chemical, I don't know, chemical puck, like a hockey puck, and it goes in a urinal. So when uh, guys are doing their thing, it fights odors. And it's about the same color as this guy's face with the same texture and consistency of these aliens' faces. And Joe, I've noticed something that Voyager seems to be falling down a, uh, a pattern of, and it is ugly aliens are bad guys. These guys aren't in low effort makeup. I mean, this is some like good shit that they have these these uh, urinal puck guys in. It's very urinal like puck a lot of people. Please be respectful. <laughs> the ridges on the nose and on the face. And uh, of course, in, in Voyager tradition, there seems to be some weird shit where their hair should be. But it's 
it's a lot of effort. Like this is very different than early Voyager with the no effort to low effort alien Should've. race makeup. Yep. But uh, yeah, the uh, the the really done up the really done up guys rarely uh, end up the the good guys. And sure enough, these these guys are I wouldn't necessarily call them the bad guys so much as just the, the one half of the Hatfield and McCoys of these uh, two uh, races that we're going to run into. And they're, they're having a real cordial talk. You know, Janeway's doing her, her diplomacy thing. Everything looks fine. But Harry is absolutely convinced that the urinal cake people are about to throw down. And he's like, nah, not in this trap house. We are going to raise our shields and we're going to actually shoot you first. And he hijacks control of the uh, tactical station from Tuvok to do it as his damn self, which, you know, again, another mark on the many marks on the board that says Tuvok is shit at his job, that his station that, you know, controls all of the weapons of this doomsday machine. That's just cavorting through the Delta quadrant can suddenly be grabbed up by literally the most junior officer on the ship in a second so he could start a shooting war with unknown aliens. I want to talk about this for a minute because this is very interesting Starfleet thought process, right? Because my, my first inclination was to blame Tuvok's ineptitude on this as well. But you look at the frequency that the Federation uh, in console explosive units detonate and kill people. I assume if it's a good enough explosion to kill the guy next to the screen, it's going to be a good enough explosion to render that workstation essentially inoperable, right? So if you're able to reassign workstations on the fly, you would definitely want to have that at your disposal. Now you look at, you're thinking at this differently. I get what you're saying. Like, you got to look at this differently, though, okay? What if the IEDs that are in each of the consoles are actually a security precaution so that Tuvok can execute certain members of the crew, underperforming members of the crew. And so his station does not have any IEDs in it. Mm. So clearly that should be locked because it's the safest place to be. There are no bombs at his consoles. And he's got a little he's got a little uh switchboard. You know, like is, does Bolana Torres give him a little too much sass? Uh, you know, brush her back with a little IED action, you know. Hit her in the face with some burning plasma. That's all. Tom Paris smelling like a little bit too much gonorrhea. Maybe he needs a week in the sick bay with second degree burns, you know? Tuvok, he's a capricious god. He gives, he takes away. But I would say the ability to move workstations on the fly is a good call on these Federation starships. And I think it illustrates that in Starfleet that there is a level of trust that you're going to have everybody follow what the captain says, and you don't have to worry about this exact thing going on. So th- him snaking control away from Tuvok and just opening fire on a ship that is, for all intents and purposes, perfectly friendly in a act, a, a de- declaration of war, has to be like completely unthinkable to every single person on that bridge. I mean, he just put a baby in the microwave. Like This has to be right up there with transporting people into space like Seska did, right? This is this is the unthinkable. So everybody gets a real good oh shit moment. And Jane was just kind of like, uh, well, uh, we're doing this, I guess. Red alert, battle stations. And they start having it out with this little repainted uh, Romulan scout ship. 
This scout ship's tough as fuck. And this is the second episode in a row because that last alien race in uh, Rise that was throwing the meteors at people, that's two races that basically, I think if it was a fair fight, would have had Voyager dead to rights. Yeah, I mean, we hear about Voyager's technological superiority a lot, but man, do they wind up in a lot of fair to, you know, over, you know, against the odds fights a lot. And it's this this one tiny scout ship like it is shown in scale with Voyager a couple times and it's not it's not impressive. And it's uh, it's putting Voyager through some shit like it. It very quickly damages critical systems. And Bolotic takes a a plasma burst to the face, as you noted, their their shields are starting to drop and they wind up uh, just start attacking their weapons array to get them off them um, and ultimately succeed in driving them off for a short time. But they've they've taken some hits. Some people are hurt. And of course, you know, Ensign Kim just started a fight with some people for no fucking reason. So uh, Janeway's pretty pissed at him. But not pissed enough to put his ass in the brick. She sends him off to medbay to go get a cut on his head checked out. And there's some doofy security officer there that I wouldn't even trust to take a Ferengi to the, the medbay. But again, I, this seems like a big fucking deal. I mean, I cannot think of a higher offense in Starfleet than just openly attacking people who have come to you with open arms. Um, I think I mean, James- isn't that is that technically like mutiny to like disobey it's, orders and it's shoot at be someone everything now Janeway does kind of give them the benefit of the doubt and maybe again this is this is Voyager living in the environment that the next gen has created where maybe he did do this for reasons other than just treacherous treasonous crazy time maybe he is uh, you know, ha- there's a legitimate reason why he did this and that she's willing to explore those options before she jumps into uh, throwing his ass in the brig in the old Lon Suter memorial cell. But at this point, he's just getting sent down to sick bay. So he gets down there and sure enough, Bolana is kind of like on death's door, particularly hurt. But of course, the doctor pulls the save out from nowhere. They give you just a, like a little bit of, oh, she's going to be in trouble. OK, no, she's fine. And, you know, he starts, she starts to recover and Garrett Wang tries to portray an obvious uh, range of emotion in this episode. She, he starts in very unsure place that, why did I just do that? Why did I feel so sure that I should do that? His weakness as an actor could not have been more obvious to me. Really? In this episode. Yeah, really. Like. When he shifts gears, it's it's not because the episode feels like it's taking him on a journey. It's because he got told to do X in that scene, and he's just kind of shifts gears rather awkwardly. I don't know. I, I never got a, like a, a jet like when the doctor was evil versus good guy. That's a that's a good example of how to do this. You know, we saw that two episodes ago, shifting between different kind of states of mind. This is the, the kind of low rent version. He's, oh, boy, I shouldn't have done that. Sorry, Bolana. Almost got you killed. I feel sad. I am telling the audience that I am sad. Ever got anything Ooh. from him on it? 
I would say at least at the earlier part of the episode where I'm I'm still kind of on board, I, that kind of stuff isn't beating me over the head yet. What is beating me over the head is Kess is yet again in a velvet cat suit. And I, I'm going to say it, I, I think we're really departing away from good Kess into something that I am not enjoying. And I think it's this desire to try and sex Voyager up and she is the wrong vehicle to try and do it in. And what's really this whole this whole episode is a symptom of trying to sex it up. Did you read the memory alpha on this? Yeah, I did. To spoil it for everybody, this episode got a lot of rewrites because apparently the studio executives wanted it to be sexed up. And this this originally was not supposed to be the stereotypical like, you know, evil ladies, you know, like sucking your life force out shit they ended up doing and so the 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 theme we've had this whole season where we've talked about how conspicuously voyager got sexed up in season three i think we're to the point where that's obviously being done on purpose sure uh but again kess's wardrobe is the victim here and kess has always i think had the best civilian clothes that we have seen consistently so taking her very tasteful very attractive day-to-day clothes and replacing them with these fucking velvet cat suits not appreciated at all things wrap up there the doctor takes a couple scans uh i don't think he finds anything too off about it but harry's continuing to doubt why it was he took those actions and what he seems super sure about on the bridge now seems like a dream he's trying to remember why exactly did he do those things he ends up falling back to his quarters under security detail and goes through a nightmare sequence, which is a little creepy and and I think felt good for this part of the episode. I saw what they were trying to do with the dream sequence thing, that it's like part of the uh, sort of confirmation bias programming that they try to build into people with what we'll ultimately find out is the the actual sinister backstory of what's going on. So the idea here is that he's being manipulated to think that he should be there. And so he's having these dreams that are sort of suggesting that to him. I thought that that was an interesting way to do it. They didn't ever explain it quite that way. They just portrayed it that way, which works fine. Uh, He wakes up from his fevered nightmare and goes to the coolest sink we have ever seen in any Star Trek property ever. (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely something that would look really good in a hipster bathroom these days like i could see a remodel for that here in 2019 that's actually good looking but while he's in there washing his face he starts picking up on some brand new stds coming out Uh, not less stds more acne Uh, he's getting these trill like leopard spots around his hairline and jaw uh, that look like a bad acne outbreak on a teenager including a big splotch right under the bottom of his jaw that almost looks more like a patch of harry he missed while he was shaving so harry's obviously got something going on with him that's beyond just his deja vu he's got physical symptoms he goes back to sick bay you know here we are they're finally learning to go immediately to sick bay when something (laughs) bad is happening how about that and uh the doctor's a little flummoxed what's going on. He's like, your, your blood chemistry's changed a little bit, but I'm not seeing any sign of any kind of infection. I'll have to get back to you. What's going on? And uh, after that scene, uh, they have, oh, I, I'd say Harry does have a quick interaction with Bolana there where 
Bolano's awake now and basically they have a little joking and he once again tries to emote about how sad he is that he caused her to be hurt, which they don't follow up on at all the rest of the episode. It's like yeah. a little buddy moment for them, and it's just like, okay, and it's gone now. Goodbye, wave goodbye to it. It was a just... moment of cowardice, I thought, because it was very clear that he recognized he is the reason why she almost died. He was going to bring it up to her, and he was afraid that he was going to piss her off because she did get mad in the dream. And I was sad that he never kind of takes ownership of that um, and 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 bravely holds himself accountable for her injury. They they didn't seem to know what to do with that scene. So they just did it and then moved on with their lives. But you know Fine. what? I'm still on board with the scene with this episode so far. Like, I think that they're building the framework of what could be some pretty interesting stuff to touch. So again, I'm aware that everybody hates this episode, but at this stage, I'm still going strong on it. Harry goes back up to Captain Janeway's ready room, immediately comes in. Ramrod straight, you know, puts himself in attention, says, I'm so sorry. I should never have done that. Even if they were doing what I thought they were doing, which they probably weren't. I take full responsibility. Sir, sir, punish me, sir. Yeah, thank you, sir. May I have another like ready for whatever Janeway's going to dish out? And then Janeway says, actually, uh, uh, bro, you right. Uh, they were they were going to try and shoot us. You were totally right. We were going to be completely screwed. You stopped us from getting jail fucked. Great job. But um, how did you know? To which then they have the conversation that we reflected on earlier of, I've been thinking about that, Captain. Perhaps I'm in a different you know universe. Maybe there's been some sort of time flux. You know, suddenly I have space acne. Any of these things could Alien be I could space time anomalies and alternate realities. All things that I have to admit are perfectly logical for them to consider, particularly at this point. Absolutely. They start picking up some more of these Nasari Yernal Puck people ships, and they know, based on their first encounter, that they barely got out of that a three-on-one fight is not going to be pretty. Um, the engines are still kind of fucked up. Big chunks of the shields are down, and I want to say their own weapon systems aren't looking too hot. They come out of the ready room. Harry gets a, a close-up of uh, one of Tom Paris's navigational screens. I, I want to point out here because Tom rolls away from the council. He is in like this rolling office chair, right? Yes. Doesn't that seem like a really bad fucking idea given how prone the bridge is <laughs> to rock? Like it's never you really addressed. One torpedo and suddenly you're on you're in the fucking science station at the other end, like, oh no! I My hubris. <laughs> <laughs> you can you can do one of two things you can fly the ship with your hands or you can hold on to the dashboard for dear life what do you think your helms person is going to be doing maybe they should be in one of those next gen chairs that are attached to the workspace i am convinced that this is a personal chair that <laughs> tom has brought up because he wants to be able to do like uh jousting in an office chair sure like when they're just like cruising between stars and just it's have supposed to be a hands. standing desk, but he's lowered it down so he could sneak a illegal chair in there um exactly so he gets us a close-up on the a terrible low-res shot of the quadrant that they're not quadrant the system that they're in and harry says i know this planet this is that planet's name we need to fly there we'll be safe there and janeway just kind of takes a look around and says i don't know what the fuck's going on here but uh i smell a trap laying a course maximum speed 
I mean, it's funny because it's true, right? Mm-hmm. Like the what Harry lays down is we should go here. We will be safe, right? That's what that's what you know. Mm-hmm. That's what she. That's what he says. And Janeway's got nothing to go on except you were right about the fact that we are about to get shot at. So good job. You know what? You do have alien acne on you. <laughs> so this seems legit. Like there's nothing they have right now except he happened to guess correctly once about one other thing and he might have alien AIDS. You got to go with your gut, man. You're sitting there defending Neelix tooth and claw during Rise that sometimes you just got to go with a gut feeling and her says go out there. I want to keep us in the scope of the technology levels we're dealing with here. One Romulan scout ship beat the shit out of Voyager. Three will almost assuredly destroy Voyager. They fly over to the system, and uh, as they are getting close to the planet, another ship, a third party, appears, weapons charged, flying at Voyager, and starts shooting, but those blasts go over the hull, and instead of hitting Voyager... It hits all three of the attacking ships one time apiece, disables all three of them. So you have one ship that is on par with Voyager. Three ships of that one ship would certainly destroy Voyager. And then one ship from what we'll find out are the Teresians, right? Just completely Correct. wrecked these three Nasari vessels. So these Teresians... Immediately. And I don't know if you know the, the episode would ultimately acknowledge this, but from what we've seen on screen, these are badass fucking ships. Because keep in mind, the Intrepid, the Voyager class, is like peak Federation technology at the time it has been developed. Sovereigns haven't shown up on the scene yet, but this is the best. A, a couple of these Teresian ships might actually give the Borg a run for their money. Well, you know, let's not say things we can't take back, but apparently... Whatever technology they have, it's enough to immediately run these guys off. And that is when we get a quick hail. And it's a matronly looking woman that immediately seems to recognize Harry Kim and welcome him home. Because evidently, he is a member of their species come to return to them. And they cut to commercial and come back. I, what was your name for this planet? Oh, the honeypot. I like uh, planet Pussy Trap, or uh, or a Pussy Prison Planet. I like Pussy uh, Trap because this is what brought Janeway. Janeway thought she smelled something, and uh, <laughs> it was a trap. It was it was a big pussy trap. Yeah, they beam down to the surface with these Teresians, and <laughs> this is where we start getting a little bit of shaky ground here, because. As we have already pointed out, this is supposed to be a sexed up episode. And we have seen sexed up episodes in Voyager already. We saw Warlord. We've seen Neelix's uh, Talaxian, you know, jack off palace. We have seen the Ferengi under boob for days. And we have given we have now been given a planet full of very clearly horny women. Yes. But they've got this conservative dress style going on, right? Like these costumes look like they were lifted right out of the original series. Like, it's just simple. Oh, no, no. Oh, ho, ho. Don't you don't you taint the original series with that? Like Costumes for alien ladies on the original series were 10 times more revealing than that. It was the I, 60s. That, it was I'm not, the swinging 60s, man. 
I'm not saying that on the sexiness level. I'm saying that the the basic flat materials and the the solid colors. Oh yeah, it looks like shit. Yeah. <laughs> so that they're but, all like, like dressed they, like they, almost they, on the same level as the space Amish were. And they also what the fucking primary sin to me of everything that's supposed to happen on this planet is that we don't see the fucking planet. They beam down into a, the the world's least exciting Holiday Inn Express, and that's all you see of the Teresian homeworld for the rest of the episode. And it's like there is so much you could do with this concept of this. Look at this palatial utopian place with 90 percent women all of which are like very handsy and want to please you like they could have done so much more than they did but instead you have all of these ladies in these dowdy outfits inside the boring motel that you stay at between uh going to scranton pennsylvania and newark new jersey and it's awful and that, let's not forget, again, we're talking about a very technologically advanced civilization. Not only are they able to uh, achieve feats of genetic engineering that not even the Federation can touch, but they've got these super advanced starships. When we put this culture under a microscope, and this is one of the biggest flaws of the episode for me, it is so completely unrealistic given... Oh, so, they give up so much try and explain this like halfway through they're like uh fuck it i'll dive in deep but there's a lot of things that just don't fucking add up um and that's with the bird's eye view we're gonna have of the society by the end but yeah uh women all over the place they are just head over heels to see harry back the the main lady who i don't think ever gets a name the older blonde woman starts saying, oh, yeah, no, we send out uh, alien astronaut travelers uh, and they put their Artresian DNA into locals of whatever species they go and hang out with. It's basically like Star-Lord's dad from Galaxy or Guardians of the Galaxy. And eventually uh, our wayward sons find their way home and we celebrate their arrival. And you, Harry Kim, are the furthest one away. You're our first one back from the Alpha Quadrant, and we couldn't be happier to have you. So when this Ho train comes to greet Harry, uh, to say that they are handsy is a bit of an understatement. Like, for the rest of the episode, whenever there is a woman next to Harry Kim, they are centrally rubbing next up next to him. And in fact, one of the Ho train who you may have immediately recognized, I know I did, as one Christina Loken, the tall blonde one, plants a kiss on him immediately. And uh, they they are very sensual. Very sensual. Here on on, on uh, Planet Pussy Trap, they are trying to sell you one thing. And they don't make any bones about what it is. What was the episode of Next Gen when uh, Wesley fell in the bushes and was supposed to be executed? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And this, it was like uh, all Justice? the shirtless people that were like had like the cod pieces yeah, or like, whatever. They were all hippies. Was it called Justice? I forget the name of the episode, but I, I'll never forget those fucking costumes. So it's season one, you know, Roddenberry, super sexual, but like innocently sexual 
just different cultures. And I think that this is by the next generation or by, I'm sorry, by the Star Trek we've established at this point, the, the 24th century Federation we've established at this point, like, yeah, this seems awkward and weird, but based on what we've seen from other stuff within the past 10 years of, of Starfleet activity, stuff like this isn't really that crazy to stumble across. And certainly we can recognize it for hammy writing, but first I was kind of taken back that Starfleet wasn't like, Hey, wait, <laughs> sorry, we're not into this. We got to back up, but they go with it and they seem to be okay to let Harry roll with it. There's another character here. We haven't introduced yet, Joe, and it's the other male that will kind of serve as the example of what is to befall Harry. Um, yeah, there's this this guy who um, I I I called him Space Chad mm-hmm. <laughs> is is I think the the right way to describe him. He is uh, the chattiest of the uh, possible space uh, aliens they could run into, and he. Uh, He's just telling Harry, like, this place is great. Uh, it's 10% dudes, 90% ladies. You get three wives. And as you can tell, everyone is DTF. Also, they have fantastic space drugs. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm going to blow your fucking mind, Joe. Okay. This guy you're calling Space Chad, the blonde hair, that smile. That, oh, yeah. That go with the flow good guyness uh-huh last episode uh what we call him, mr nippy mr nibbles mr nibbly nibbly i would i would have bet my left arm that that was mr price from better call saul the baseball card guy right right what if i was to tell you that space chad is howard fucking hamlin from better call saul what at what is- I swear to God, and it was my my wife who pointed it out because I'm like, this dude smile. There's something about. It. She's like, that's totally Howard Hamlet. That's Patrick Fabian, dude. His name is Temaine, and he is in there repping it in fucking Voyager, straight up. Him, space juggalo Chuck McGill, they are all up in this. That uh, he, I, I just, I. God, I, I, I don't know how to put this man like it's it gives you perspective on how much how far long ago this this episode was. I can see it now. You're totally right. That dude is definitely. He's definitely Hamlin. Like, I, I just looked it up while you were saying that, like, holy fucking shit. It really is him. You got Howard. He looks Hamlin, so much got... older now. He looks so much older now. He's unrecognizable on this show. I know. I know. I mean, you've got uh, the one girl ends up being a Terminator, right? She's also Blood Rain, one of the wives, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, dude. Have you ever seen Blood Rain? No. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. I want I want you to imagine a movie, okay? I want you to imagine a movie with with the T-3000, Christina Loken is the main character, right? Mm-hmm. And also starring, all right, Michelle Rodriguez, mm-hmm. okay, Udo Kier, Oh, uh, right. from uh, Johnny Mnemonic, and, and also from uh, Blade. Yeah, classic, plays... classic slimy European broker. Yes, perfect guy to have as a, a vampire antagonist. Meatloaf. Okay, the one and only Meatloaf, mm-hmm. and Ben Fucking Kingsley. <laughs> ben Kingsley, the Mandarin. <laughs> Clearly his most iconic role. Gandhi. 
Fuck playing Gandhi. He played the Mandarin. But yeah, the fucking Blood Rain is one of my favorite bad movies of all time. I mean, Uwe Boll's movies are all bad for a lot of different reasons, but some of his movies are are either indescribably incoherently bad, like uh, Alone in the Dark. It's just bizarre to the point of making no sense. And House of the Dead looks too amateurish. Like it looks like like a, a C movie. Blood Rain is a movie that has movie stars in it. And it looks like money was spent on it. It is so for real, awful, ridiculously bad that it has to be seen to be believed. It is fantastic. It has a very drunk Michael Madsen in it. Nice. Uh, it has a it has a uh, orgy scene where Meatloaf plays the perfect Euro trash Eastern Eastern European Euro trash bored vampire that's just like so awash in his decadence he just doesn't give a fuck anymore. Like the most accurate vampire character I've ever seen in film is in this terrible ass movie. But yeah, man, totally Howard fucking Hamlin up in here. All, all of my Better Call Saul dreams come true this episode. This, you know what? This, uh, yeah, Voyager's got two major Better Call Saul alumni. Maybe this more. Is pr- this is impressive. Who knows? We'll see where, where the future episodes take us. But, uh, this guy's telling Harry what a great time it is down on the planet. And everything he is saying, Harry is picking up. Janeway decides that they're going to tra- transport back up to the ship. And Harry's like, well, hey, Captain, if you're okay with it, I'd like to hang back on the surface to crush some pussy. <laughs> and Chakotay kind of smiles. And Janeway gives him a nod and goes, okay. And uh, he hangs back to uh, chill out with Howard Hamlin. And like you said, uh, more women come in. They're on these Che Lounge things, and they've got these I, <laughs> like little teacups with sticks off of them. And they come up to like jam them in the neck. And Harry's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! What, what, what is that?" And Howard just looks the other way and takes a a, a, a needle in the neck. And like, "Oh, it's just a a mood enhancement, aka neck drugs." And Harry's like, "What? What the fuck? Like, what?" what is this exactly? And I start laughing, thinking about like, Oh, you know, I, I don't know what they call it where you're from, but around here we call it biker crank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, they're really like, they did a good job. I mean, really emphasizing this is planted pussy trap that these ladies are literally drugging men into compliance to stick around. Well, obviously like shaking their ass out there is to say, mm-hmm. yeah, you want this. You want this, right? Well, all you got to do is hang out. Just hang out. Just yep. hang out with us and do these awesome drugs. And then you get married to three of us and we'll all take you to the bedroom at the same time. I'm going to ask you a question that never dawned on me while I was watching this because I'm just like, yeah, of course, obviously male fantasy. I'm really a super secret spy superhero after all on a quest to get back home to my planet of women who are going to adore me and, and sex. This, you know, sure. Taking it all at face value. And my wife goes, what if the guy that has the space acne that comes down to the surface is gay? <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> man, what a good question. Because, you know, Star Trek's always like, you know, there's gay characters all over the place. Maybe not so much back uh, at this point. Discovery, of what? course. But you got a good chance of of getting a gay crew member with one of these. Uh, we'll ultimately find out as a. 
a virus that infected him on a away team mission looking for virilium. But yeah, man, like, <laughs> hey, there's a uh, 90% women on this planet and you're going to stay around and hump them. Yeah, that's not really my thing. Hey, Howard, what are you getting up to later on? Uh, you want to bring some of those neck drugs over to my place? <laughs> it's funny you should mention that because Stevie and I noticed while we were watching that uh, when Harry uh, describes marriage, he describes it as usually between one man and one woman. Oh, yeah, I saw that, too. How not woke of you, Harry Kim. It's the 26th century. By then, I'm sure you could get married to a car door if you wanted. (laughs) Come on, man. The fuck is wrong with you? I got that in my notes. Mm -hmm. That's a fucking Trump voter if I ever saw one. Holy shit. So uh, he's chatting it up with Howard and he lays out this other line since we're going to hit on the, the script a little bit here. I always felt I was special and destined for more. And Howard's like, well, you were, and this was your destiny all along. And they're both playing into this mutual fantasy. Neither of them understands what's really going on here. And Harry says, you know, my parents always told me I was special too. They spoil, and and this is a direct quote, they spoiled me rotten, making sacrifices to give me whatever I wanted. What? What? you live in a post scarcity society. Like what exactly was your mom sacrificing to give you the things out of the replicator that you wanted? Like what a, what a line of dialogue that does not work at all in the world of star Trek, United Federation of planets, citizen life. Hey, hey, what a line of dialogue doesn't work. I mean, let's start with, I, you know, his musing that he didn't think that he was ever actually that special. Like, bro, you're a clear genius who was able to get into Starfleet Academy, graduate with honors, and get a you know assignment on a Federation Roadster straight away. You're fucking special, dude. Like, give me a fucking break. Oh, I never thought I'd amount to anything except being a total space genius. Fuck off. You know what Fuck he did? Fuck off with that. Managed to tell Howard Hamlin while he was recounting stories of his adolescence was the clear memory that he has of being, being in the in womb. The womb. <laughs> yes! Yes! It's like, if they had brought that back as a clear, like, indication that he was an alien, like, you get this total recall from the moment of conception. He's like, that's why I remember being in the womb. Like, that's why I sleep at my hands at my side like a robot. So he hangs out, and uh, Howard Hamlin's getting married today. He gets dragged off to the ceremony, and it is this dark-ass satanic ritual where uh, they start tying his hands up, and they're dancing around him with sticks. He knows the it ritual, looks like too. they're about to do some real kinky shit, yeah. Some real kinky shit, or start slitting throats like it's Red Wedding in uh, Game of Thrones. They Part of the ritual is they tie his hands behind his back, and they also bring a blindfold up over his eyes. And while we're sitting there talking about him remembering being in the womb... I want to be like, that's why I love sleeping with a face mask on. <laughs> Do you remember? He's got that beauty mask. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, when, Tom, when Tom broke into his uh, room to take yeah. him to his sex toys, yeah, I'll never fine. forget that. Well, you know, there, there you go. Harry's, it's in his DNA. He enjoys these things. So they tie up Howard and cart him off, and, and that's the last we're going to see of him for a while. Um, meanwhile, Voyager has come up with a plan. They're going to go back and find the urinal puck people 
who they have come to understand were only going to attack Voyager because they had detected a um, Teresian on board, which was, of course, Harry Kim. So they're going to try to go up in space diplomacy, the urinal puck people, and say, look, you know, we understand you got beef with these ladies and we don't want any part of it. We're going to get our crew member back and get the fuck out of here. Please don't cause us any problems. They fly away. They have their little chat with uh, urinal puck people. When they fly back, they see that the door has been shut. There's this planetary defense shield circling the entire planet. And it's clear that they are no longer welcome. The hockey puck, the urinal puck people, I want to call them hockey puck. The urinal puck people. We can shorten that to the ups. The the ups. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the UPP. Are you down with UPP? You know me. Mm -hmm. Go to meet with them and they're like, yeah, we're fine. We're cool with you. You don't have one of the dudes. We hate the dudes. And the people say they they go back there because they're from there and then they don't return. We hear we hear rumors. And it's the this weird the scene is so poorly written because Janeway does not actually like manage to get any good follow-up questions in of like, oh, can you tell us everything you know about them so that we can help deal with them if they're bad? Or what are the rumors? Or, you know, like try to deal with the situation that's going on that she's now in the middle of. It's basically just this, all right, we won't shoot at you while he's not on the ship, but as soon as he's on the ship, if he gets on the ship, I'm going to shoot you because we hate them. Goodbye. Let me rewrite this real quick if I'm going to make this into a great episode. And you can't because it's going to tip the hand too much, but well, hey, humans, as it turns out, you uh, guys are pulling up to the Teresian planet. These uh, space vampire broads, they're bad news. They will go around the whole system spraying their <laughs> their genetically modified viruses that assimilate guys walking around. And then they come back here and they eat them. So that's why we've got beef with this planet. And that's why we were coming after you. But obviously, they can't say that kind of stuff. I mean, they could have said something. They could have said anything. But instead, it's this weird stilted conversation where Janeway gets nothing useful out of people who have clear idea of what's going on. She goes back. And as you noted, they are not welcome. There is now the door has been locked. And meanwhile, on the surface, you know, Harry's kind of unaware of what's going on. Tries to go try to ditch the party a little bit. He's like, these ladies are like, stay, Harry, stay, stay while I drape myself all over you and just sigh wistfully in your ear. And he's I'm like, ask you this. why is Harry not on board with this? Like, it's clear Harry's got self-esteem issues. It's clear Harry likes pretty ladies. I mean, he's got his whatever volleyball team up in. Neelix's yeah, place. His like, pre-programmed Tom Paris approved volleyball team sex party. Are we supposed to be getting shades of Barkley here where he prefers holograms over the real thing? Like what what is going on in the super consensual world of the 24th century that both him and Paris are hard knowing things falling in their lap? I don't think he's hard knowing so much as I just want to check in with my people and it could be in some alternate universe where this episode is better written that he has a, a long term, you know, consideration of what's going on here. And he does. He's he's, you know, like, I got to check to see what's going on with my people and then I come back. You know, like, it's not that he's saying no. He's just saying, 
I feel I have an obligation to see what's going on with my people, but let me put a pin in that, ladies, and I'll come back and explode my grenade all over you later. Here's my and... favorite line of the script. He's hitting his comm badge. He can't pick him up because at this point, Voyager's blocked out by the planetary defense grid. And he's like, well, I don't know what's going on here. And the older blonde lady's like, oh, well, maybe they haven't gotten back yet. Um, but Harry, you're welcome to spend the night. Like, what the fuck else is Harry Kim going to do? He is trapped on a planet. Like, they're going to be like, well, I don't know where your friends are, but you can't stay here. Uh, like what you mean in the building? No, on this planet. You're going to is he just supposed to just click his heels together and fly off like a little rocket ship? <laughs> Obviously, he's going to spend the night. They could have just sent him to you know, beam him onto their starship, I guess. I guess the only other feasible option. But it is a bit of awkward dialogue to sort of introduce the idea of. Harry staying there with all of these sexy ladies and you know sure enough he's led to a room by I guess the primary romantic interest for him a brunette lady you know does a lot more touchy stuff uh Harry manages to kill the moon immediately by being oh asked to be tucked in <laughs> oh my god and, and my wife's sitting next to me she's like what the fuck is this guy talking about the cringe off of his adult baby fantasy that starts coming out here whatever chakotay said in lame house on the prairie with his melading that went on there is dwarfed in comparison to harry kim completely and and maybe he told this story on purpose to like destroy any sexiness there might have been but oh (laughs) cringe city it was actually yeah. that specifically that reminded me, like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? And I'm like, oh, yeah, blindfolds in the womb. He's he uh, man, he sees his mom a lot and all of these visions that have to do with him having a bunch of new sexy girlfriends. It's uh, it's a whole thing here for him. You know, it's, it's a little weird. He has his uh, his dream here where there's weird, like you said, glimpses of a three way going on and his mom's there. Everything up to this point in the episode, I've been down with. And this is where I'm going to draw my line in this hand, that this is where the episode officially loses me and and the good parts are over. I think everything up to now had really good potential, if not was was good, what if different kind of Star Trek um, concepts and and situations. But as we get to the point where Harry decides this is a bad planet. I don't want to be a part of this and I need to escape. We move away from whatever could have been good. And we move into just straight up slapstick comedy, which is the other kind of good. And that's the point and laugh, funny kind of good. And boy, does it come by the buckets. He starts shoving these chicks off and they get closer and closer. Like, no, Harry, you need to stay here and marry us. We're going to be your wives. And um, I want to say there's, there's two women at this point. There's like, you said the brunette lady. And then there was uh, my favorite girl who was, I think her name was Rian or something. And they're kind of like playfully pulling by his hands. And he starts feeling threatened. Like I'm being trapped. And rather than just like straight up shove them back and say, Hey, get the fuck off me. I got to go find my crew. He starts trying to talk him into this funny little trap. He's like, oh, well, you want to please me? Well, you sit on this chair and put your hands behind you. We're going to get kinky and I'm going to tie your hands behind you. And now I'm going to tie this around your mouth. And uh, the girl I like is like, wait, no, this is wrong. You're trying to tie us up. Like, what the hell? And Harry just goes crazy. 
again, he could have just walked straight out of this room. There has been nothing clearly nefarious happening up to this point to warrant what he does. He could have just shoved him back, said, fuck it, I'm out. But instead, he ties one up. And as her friend tries to help her, he comes up behind with like this heavy ass snow globe and just busts her over the head. And as far as I can tell, kills this woman. Yeah, we don't see her again. It's, it's, uh, Stevie brought that up, too. It's like, the fuck? Why did you do that? They were just ladies. They just wanted could, to do it. And you they you, just wanted they wanted to have sex with you. And you just all you do is be like, no, and just leave. You took one hostage and you very clearly at at the minimum, lethally, not at the minimum, it's aggravated assault. You busted her over the head with heavy glass something like the look of horror on her friend's eyes as she's now tied up. And she watched Harry probably just murder what should have been, you know, part of their polygamous family. I I will say I did like the, the moment where they try to sell that Harry comes into some weird shit and he wanted to, like, tie these ladies up. The whole you thing know. was gold. The whole thing was gold. It was just like it was the one moment of genuine acting that I felt really worked out of Garrett Wang in the whole episode. Where he's like, "Hey, you want you want me to be excited, right?" Well, this is this is how Harry Kim gets excited. <laughs> we're, gonna, <laughs> we're gonna role play uh, you. You're gonna call yourself Lieutenant Tuvok, and you're gonna call me. Neelix, now put your hand around my throat and start banging me against the wall. Wait, Will, we don't want to marry you after all. You know what? Fuck it. You can go back to your ship. You creep. Get, Get out, of out of here. We don't. We don't. No. You know, we don't want to suck your life force anyways. Get the fuck out of here. It's like all all that time in these these uh, sexy hologram uh, training simulators has built so much kink into your standard Federation citizen that they encounter creepy vampiric life force sucking you know polygamous women and they're like no too much fuck this these Federation <laughs> people are too fucking weird for us they want they want to you know they want to fuck a the the us upside down in zero g while uh, you know we play. Uh, Philip just you know uh, I yeah I was going supposed to that joke <laughs> fell fucking parts whatever hard to, it's hard to navigate like what's funny but not too far on a podcast to a couple hundred people hmm. yeah like the things I wanted to say I had to continually shove out of my head and try and find some other way to keep that going and then there I might couldn't. be a child in the car um, <laughs> I think it's going to be a good mess hall topic that I want to bring up later on but there are a lot of cases where voyager crew members just do bad illegal things to zero repercussion and certainly there's darker plans at play here but harry has no real clear beat on what's going on so yeah again he tied someone up and and might have killed someone else before he runs like there is no accountability on these uh these away team guys and i think we could come up with some pretty good war crime situation also too jumping back to the uh uh darkling episode Voyager terrorized these space truckers like their rogue AI straight up tortured the innkeeper through, you know, Mr. Hero trucker off a fucking cliff. And there's no like compensation or anything that we're ever shown. Voyager flies away, not even so much as a sorry. I think their negative status on. um delta quadrant next door is extremely justified at this point yeah i mean this is this is bad so harry goes running off to go break some more laws looking for howard hamlin 
he starts knocking on the door and he's like, Howard, it's me, Harry. I just assaulted someone and maybe killed them. Please let me in. <laughs> he's the right person to contact if that's yeah, the case. Yeah. I hear you're a great lawyer. Uh, the door won't open, so he just breaks and enters. As you do into someone's room on their wedding night when they just married three chicks, one of which is Christina Loken. Absolutely. Uh, and finally, you know, we have confirmation that all is not well on the planet of the Amazons. Yeah, he gets guess in there. what, guys? Dude is dead. Space vampires. No joke. We see Howard Hamlin laying on the bed and he has just been completely mummified. And it's a pretty good prosthetic. I, I, actually, I can't even tell you if that's like a mummy dummy or if that's actually Howard Hamlin laying on the bed with like real heavy makeup on him because he's a pretty skinny guy in this. I think it's mummy dummy, but eventually Christina Loken comes back in and and Harry Kim has some weird metal instrument that he uses in a threatening way, even though it doesn't really appear to be very threatening. Was that she the drug stick full of biker crank? <laughs> it's, it's, it might have been. But uh, she takes the biker crank stick and is like, tell me everything. And she's like, fine, here, I'll tell you everything. Like, Boy, literally, she like, roll over easy, too. There is no pushback on this. Yeah, it's like, fine. Well, now that you know, I might as well tell you we're we're totally vampires. We have to eat our men to be able to conceive. And, you know, they suggest through the dialogue that basically they they fuck men out of existence. So I'm, I choose to believe that Howard Hamlin got a fun ride before. Oh, he absolutely. Set himself into the great unknown. Absolutely. So, you know, that's at least that going for him. But, you know, that's what they do. They. They 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 suck the life out of you, both physically and metaphorically, and uh, that's that's what's up. And Harry Kim's like, well, nope, not down for that. Gonna try and get out of here, and he attempts to escape, and uh, eventually all of the ladies confront him with sticks, and that's when we have a really awkward fight scene where, obviously, Harry has to fight a bunch of ladies. And in fact, he lays one out, but they didn't want to go too far with him, like whooping on all these chicks, <laughs> like with a stick. Can so I say they... that I really appreciate the fact that Harry Kim is not a martial arts enthusiast who. Yes, he's not an Asian Kung Fu master. I we... I really like that. And it's right up there with Chakotay not being able to start a fire like he gets in a, a bow staff fight with a bunch of lovely ladies and they just beat the shit out of them <laughs> they whoop on them and meanwhile uh you know voyagers figured out some techno wizardry to pierce the ion ion shield or whatever that's around the planet they get in there and just in the nick of time before harry gets uh tied up to be taken off to be to be vampirized they beam him up and Eventually, they managed to escape because in the laziest ending of all time, the the puck people ships encounter the uh, planet pussy trap ships and they just start fighting each other. And they're like, Voyager can just fuck off. That's fine. That's it. That's the end. They're just like they're fighting each other, Captain. Well, we should go they're like that's it. No follow up. Yeah, uh, we get a closing scene with Harry and. Tom and uh, there's some dialogue back and forth about how Harry wishes he was more like 
Tom, you know, suave and debonair. And, and Tom's like, well, you know, ever since we got on the ship, I've been trying to be more responsible to you. There's some line thrown in there like, well, you know, Harry, if you acted more like me, uh, there'd probably be some prison time in there. And it's like, uh, I seem to recall there already has been copious amounts of prison time there. <laughs> <laughs> just fact, about, Harry was there for part of it. Oh my God, Joe. This is yet another <laughs> Voyager crew member is being held against their will on the planet. This is another hostage rec- rescue mission. This was a prison episode. You're right. So hell, it's my favorite prison episode. If there was a place I'm going to be put in prison, it's going to be right there next to Howard Hamlin. <laughs> it is a prison with a hoe train, and I know how much you appreciate that. I'll take it. Um, we're going to be nitpicking here, but the 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 population dynamic math of this culture is completely not feasible. And oh, I know it's, it's, it's so dumb. It's they, the they... smallest, uh, you know, vi- like crime they do in the script. But it's like you have an extremely technologically advanced people that have, again, technology that should be about on par with the Borg based on what we saw of who could kick whose ass and your advanced mastery of genetic engineering. Like, how did this species get to a point where they are destroying their males to breed, where they even hit the fucking Bronze Age, let alone space travel or hypertech? Like, this is just... Fu- they they are replicating only by drawing males in from outside their planet to there. Why not just go around rounding people up at gunpoint and effing them? Why, why the whole... the And here's your episode title for this, Joe. It's going to be The Booby Trap. <laughs> damn fucking nailed it dude yeah like why why and and again so what happened was harry's not an alien although he he was supposed to be the way they were talking about the initial revision of the script is that harry was uh was really uh an alien traveler's offspring and they were going to portray him for the rest of the run of the show as a member of this alien race which you know star trek had a lot of success in doing some mid uh, run like shifts on characters that were pretty major. Like another example of, of something like this that actually got done was Dr. Bashir on DS nine, you know, halfway through well, the, right. uh, or no, well, uh, not Gen- genetically engineered. Correct. He's an augment. And that became a major part of his character after that was revealed to everybody. It was always the case. And it was just, it became publicly known and they went off in a different direction with the character as a consequence of that one. I think that ended up uh, helping that character quite a bit. So I think they should have done that if, if they could have written a better episode around it, I think as well, but instead it's a ship in the bottle episode. Harry's actually been human the whole time. This has all been faked by this race. The doctor figures it all out and of course can fix it. And it turns out just to be a excuse to have a bunch of ladies uh, make out with Garrett Wang on camera, which he does a lot of like a lot. He he's got like seven or eight different scenes where he is like lip locked with one of these actresses and uh, to try and up the sex value of the show. And, you know, the the idea behind a planet filled with women attempting to tempt men i mean they even reference it in the fucking clothes yeah. it's straight out of fucking odyssey yeah. like this is literally as old as literature <laughs> like it's not a new idea and as a consequence it's not a bad idea either it's clearly got a lot of cachet and in, in in fantasy and popular culture um 
they manage to do it in a pretty uninteresting and stupid way and it ends and uh it's i think the only one of the episodes we've watched that's deserving of a place amongst the quote-unquote trilogy of terror but to be honest while it is hot 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 dog shit it's definitely not the worst episode i've seen i love this episode fuck off I think everything up to his three-way weird dream is legit, good, interesting, fun Star Trek um, with interesting premise and a lot of great potential. And I think that everything... Dude, it's a bunch of of people in dowdy mom dresses in a holiday I don't even care about about the sex. I don't even care about the sex angle. The him having memories unlocking, him firing on ships, Voyager putting itself out there as an aggressive force. There's a lot of good mystery box stuff in play. How is Janeway going to deal with someone who has just opened fire? Uh, what is this weird thing gripping Harry Kim? It's all real solid setup, and I enjoyed it. I love the sink coming out of the wall. And then everything after the the second nightmare sequence is just a plus slapstick humor him killing that woman tying the other one up (laughs) street murder howard hamlin being sucked dry harry getting his ass kicked in a stick fight uh what's not to love this if this is the worst people say voyager can do again i refer you to the 37s i refer you to twisted Twisted. uh just so many time and again yes uh yeah, there's there's a lot of bad ex post facto. All the, uh, we got blood rain in here, Terminatrix. I mean, it's it's a good one. I'll take it. It's not uh, it's not good, but it certainly was fun. A delight. Yeah, I'll give it that. What do we have next, my man? Coming up next, we got season three, episode twenty one, before and after. We've got Kess, who is thankfully not in a velvet jumpsuit. She's got some very long hair. You got Tom Paris, and you've got the doctor with a very fetching wig on. This might be the same one he's using uh, when he was singing opera. Nearing death, Kess experiences parts of her life moving backward through time. The doctor develops an experimental procedure to extend Kess's lifespan. Uh, I got, of course, I got, I got good doc- news for you. And what's that good news, Joe? This is the best Kess episode. That is. That's a very bold statement because Warlord is up there in my top three. I completely understand. And I say still with confidence, this is the best Kess episode. Does Harry Kim bust anybody? Dude, he pulled a straight up blonde suitor on her. I'm going I'm to tell you right now, that's that's what drew me to this episode was that behind the back blunt force trauma to the back of the skull he lonsuited rihanna this, this, uh, does does harry kim or someone else pull a lonsuiter there is so much that goes on in this episode that to say anything about what happens would be to spoil some part of it and i don't want to do that to you this is kidding aside probably one of voyager's best episodes in my estimation um it's uh it's definitely i think the best of this season and wow. I'm not sure what its regard is amongst others. I'm just talking about from my perspective. But as a high concept Trek episode and specifically an episode of Voyager that explores a very interesting and intriguing story space, 
This is really something special. I'm looking forward to watching this. When do you think the last time you watch this is? Oh, two or three years ago. Oh, so pretty recently, because I think yeah, you said I saw most recently. of the stuff in season three you hadn't seen since like 20 years ago. I specifically came back to this one because it's a favorite of mine when I did my last rewatch before well, we started doing the show. I'm very excited then, and uh, I'm looking forward to this. Fantastic. Until then, everybody, thanks so much for your support. Thanks for coming out and listening to us here and on our podcast feeds or YouTube or wherever it is that you catch us. And we'll see you next time. Peace.